Hebrews tonight, chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Beginning in verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they came out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promise. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here, men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. And as I may so say, Levi also who receiveth tithes paid tithes in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. All right. We prayed. There's a few more verses in the book of Genesis. I think I have them in there. You have them up for me? There they are. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. I'll just read them from there. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. One more verse in Psalms 110. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now let me explain what's going on here. Um, Paul is writing to this group of people. And we've shared with you through the whole book of Hebrews how that They had become Christians and were surrounded with this Jewish culture, and the culture was constantly calling them back to Judaism. And part of what happened was some of these people who surrounded them began to plant little doubts in their mind about why Christianity and Christ should not be followed. One of those doubts was this. Well, if Christ is a priest, how can that be since he is not of the tribe of Levi? Because the Jewish priesthood came from the tribe of Levi. And so they were using that. See, see, Jesus can't really be the, the, the priest and, that, and this priesthood can't really be right because he's not from the same tribe. Now Paul's going to explain this, but I want to bring it into relevance with us. Because sometimes in our Christianity, somebody will bring something up that sounds so good. Matter of fact, the cults are very well versed in taking a few verses, 
out of context, twisting them together and making a compelling case for what they believe. And if you're not very well versed in the scriptures, it sounds so compelling and so right that you would be prone to accept it. Or maybe you're not able to counter their argument. I want to encourage you now that if God has saved you and you know Christ is real and you know that God has forgiven you of your sins, don't let something that you might not understand at the moment sway you. But stop for a minute. If you don't know the answer, you can search it out in the Scriptures. You can come to me and we'll help you. But don't open up this Pandora's box of doubt and fear because at that moment you might not be able to answer the question. And so this is what was happening with the Jews. Oh, man, Jesus must not be the true high priest because we know he even admitted, we all know that he's not from the tribe of Levi. He's from the tribe of Judah. Now, the lineage of of the Jews was very, very important to them. And so that's why we have these whole chapter after chapter uh, in the book of Numbers and in the book of Matthew of who descended from who and who descended from who. Matter of fact, there were people when they came back from Egypt and they were going back to Jerusalem to create during Nehemiah's time to rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls. There were people that were excluded because they could not prove their genealogy and their lineage. They didn't have that direct descent and therefore if they weren't weren't able to prove that direct descent from uh, the right tribe, then they had to be put forth. And so we know how important this was. And it was very well documented. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah, not from Levi. So they were using that, the enemies of Christianity and the proponents of Judaism were using that to, to, cons- uh, to convince and persuade these new Christians, well, you shouldn't follow that because that's just not what the law says. And so Paul, in his wisdom, he goes back and he takes these portions of Scripture. What I read to you in Psalms, that thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. What I read to you in Genesis, how, and Melchizedek's only mentioned a few times in the Bible. Genesis, Psalms, and here in Hebrews. And, and he seems to be this obscure individual, but really he's very important, very, very important. And what might seem like some obscure verse in the Bible is really... Uh, 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 a crucial point to know. Now, if you're not a Bible reader, you can skim over this or, or not uh, accept it or not lock it down. And because of that, you might miss. Come on in. So glad you're here. Everybody make yourself at home. You might miss some of these truths. Can you fix that thing in the back behind your head, Reverend? Whatever it is, it's... There you go. Thank you. Maybe you just turn to Psalms when you're troubled. Maybe you just turn to the Gospels because you want to read about Jesus. Maybe you have certain portions that you like to go to. Well, that's all well and good. That may be like eating ice cream. Sometimes you go to ice cream because you want something sweet. But you have to have something balanced. You have to eat a breakfast. You have to eat a lunch. You have to eat a dinner. You have to eat something that's going to nourish you, which is why we 
compel you or we encourage you, read the Bible on a consistent basis. Read the Bible systematically. Start at a place and continue all the way through. If you are a Christian, you should read the Bible through each year. Do not allow yourself just to go by what the pastor gives you or just to feed on an occasional verse here and there. You've got to become men and women of the Word of God. You've got to know the Word so that somebody can't convince you that Paul was a a green, one-eyed Martian that uh, landed somewhere over there, and he said to give all your money to Sister Jonah. Now, if you don't know the Bible... Sister Jonah sounded, hey, that sounded pretty good. Is that, that's in the first book of Hesitations, right? Um, if you don't know the Bible, somebody can be so convinced, and that's why these cults are so effective, because they are fully persuaded in something that's wrong. And their, 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 their spiel, their sales pitch, their uh, presentation of, of error sounds so compelling that people actually buy off on it because they don't know better. They don't know better. If you don't know better, there are a lot of things that sound good. Getting ready to, um, to preach a message soon about Christ and Antichrist and, and how that we know that the Antichrist is going to rule for a period of time. He's going to, and the Bible said that there are uh, even now many Antichrists and the spirit of Antichrist rules in the world. So we know that's going on. Well, he is a proponent of lies. He's a proponent of falseism. He's a proponent of all the things that are against. That's what the word means, against or instead of Christ. So he promotes things that get us away from the truth. And we find that happening now, don't we? People question what we once understood as true. Now... A kid doesn't even know if he's a boy or a girl because their teachers and their parents and the media tells them there's 300 genders and you can be fluid and you can figure out what you are. And they don't even, there's not even a truth about what is male and female, woman and man. There's not a truth in the world they're trying to promote. There's no truth about marriage anymore. It used to be well understood. There's a man and a woman marrying. They're creating a family. Biology teaches that. But now they question that. Now you've got a transgender man marrying a transgender woman, and you don't know what. you got 15 different genders in one marriage. Amen? Might as well call them legion. Anyhow. We've got to know the truth. And we can't just buy off on somebody else's version of truth. Another thing that people say today, we'll say, they'll say something like this. Well, that's your truth. But truth is not relative to an individual. Two plus two equals four for me or for you or for Brother Schaefer or for George or for Sister Laverne. That's truth. You can say, well, two plus two is four to you, Pastor Devonshire, but to me it's five and a half. And that's your truth. But that's, that's idiotic. Anyhow. So, Paul is going to teach them and share with them, remove this obstacle. Now, he's talking about tithe here, but really he hasn't changed the subject. He's preaching about and teaching about the priesthood of Christ and how that priesthood was better than the old priesthood. And he's going to use tithe 
as an evidence and a proof that shows that the Melchizedek priesthood was greater than the Levitical priesthood. So that's where he's going with all of this. If, and so let's dive in. He says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem. Now, to give you the, um, uh, the context, Abraham went to fight against these five kings who had taken his uh, uh, nephew Lot and uh, taken him captive. And Abraham went and fought against them and freed Lot and helped conquer this um, uh, group of kings that were uh, arrayed against Lot and Abraham. And when he got the spoils, out came this mysterious person named Melchizedek. Now, interesting, first of all, to note his name. Melchizedek. Melech means king. And Sedek, maybe some of you are familiar with Jehovah Tzidkenu. It's the same root word there, righteousness. So you get Melech and Sedek. So you get Melchizedek, the king of righteousness. So that's what his name meant. And he comes out to meet Abraham, and Abraham gives him uh, a tithe of the spoil. So, and the word even means off the top, the spoil. He's given him a tithe of the spoil. He's taken some of the best, and he's given it to this man. So Paul's saying, I want you to check this out. Because Abraham, through his loins was going to come the priesthood. It was going to be from him, and through his descendants was going to come Levi, one of the, the sons, and that was going to be where the priesthood came from. But Abraham, though he had the Levitical priesthood in him, took some of the spoil and he paid tithe to Melchizedek. So he was showing that this Levitical priesthood was, uh, this, let me say it this way, this Melchizedek priesthood was superior to the Levitical priesthood because the Levitical priest was really paying tithe to this Melchizedek priest. So this mysterious one, Melchizedek, who just kind of appears, this king of, of righteousness, receives tithes of Abraham, and then he turns around and blesses him. Now, the, the, the original language says, the less is blessed of the better. To see that Melchizedek was blessing him, showing that Mel- Melchizedek was greater than, greater than him. Now, When we look through here in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, when we look through these words, we begin to understand a little bit better. Check this out. He said, this Melchizedek, he's king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham, when verse 2, gave a tenth part of all. That's what tithe means, by the way, tenth. First being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now, Uh, just as a side note, and this is not, the whole chapter is not about tithe, but it just gives us a clarity here. First, tithe means tenth. That's what the word means. Second, we find that tithe was not just under the law because we weren't even dealing with law yet, were we? So way before, way before the Levites were around and they were receiving tithes, we find tithing was taking place long before the law ever took place. As a matter of fact, when we get back to this priesthood idea, we find, we find that the preacher forgot to turn his phone on silent, but I just did now. We find 
that the Melchizedek priesthood continues on. It never stopped. Levitical priesthood had a stopping place. But the Melchizedek priesthood continues on. So if Melchizedek received tithes before the law and this priesthood continues on, it's a good evidence that tithing would continue because who are we paying tithe to? Well, we got to get back to who this Melchizedek guy is. Amen? Let's go a little bit further. I want to get to this order. He calls him the king of righteousness, and then he's called the king of peace. And this has relevance. Righteousness always comes before peace. You get right, and then you get peace. Now, people sometimes look to get peace without getting right. They look to escape their trouble. Maybe they'll bury themselves in, in movies and in social media and escapism and uh, endlessly scrolling to somehow try to quiet or silence the discord on the inside. But I like what Spurgeon said. He said, peace without righteousness is like the smooth surface of the stream before it takes its awful Niagara plunge. Peace without righteousness is like that smooth surface of the stream. Everything looks great, but then it dives down the Niagara Falls. You got to have righteousness. If you get righteousness, peace will come with it. Sometimes a lack of peace, or we should say not sometimes, but most times, a lack of peace shows there's a lack of righteousness. It's as if the referee has blown the whistle and thrown the flag, and that's why play has stopped. Something has gone wrong. And since something has gone wrong, if you want things to continue, if you want peace to return, you got to fix the offense. Deal with what's wrong. Get the peace. And then, I'm sorry, get the righteousness, and then the peace will come with it. Going on. And so we see this mysterious guy. Again, Spurgeon says, concerning Melchizedek, we see but little of him, yet we see nothing little in him. We see but little of him, yet we see nothing little in him. And so this Melchizedek, let's see if we can figure out who it is. The Bible said he was king of righteousness. He was king of Salem, which, uh, and this is also interesting. God never, God understood that civil leadership and religious leadership, it wasn't good if power was of both the civil side and the religious side was in one guy. And so God, throughout the history, we find there was always a king and then there was always a priest. But with Melchizedek, he's one of the few exceptions to the rule. He was both the civil leader, king of the city, and he was also the priest. So there's something different about this guy, amen? Something different about this individual. Let's go on. He's king of Salem, which is king of peace. Verse 3, he is without father and without mother and without descent, having, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. All right, we got to figure this out. What in the world's going on? Now, remember, Paul's contrasting this priesthood of the Levites with the priesthood of the Melchizedek. Even a Levitical priest was made, a high priest was made priest forever, but it was limited by his life. 
You're a priest forever. Well, that is until you die. That's what that forever meant. But when it came to Melchizedek, he had no end of days. Matter of fact, he had no father. And he had no mother. No, no beginning, no end of days. So we begin to see Melchizedek is a little bit different. Amen? He's not just a, a civic, civil leader. He's not just a king. He's not just another uh, random individual. But we find somebody who doesn't have a father, who doesn't have a mother, who abides a priest continually, who has no end of days. And we begin to understand who this is. This is not just any individual. This is a pre-appearing of Jesus himself. And so we find that this Melchizedek, back to Psalm 110, the Bible said, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We find this Melchizedek is Jesus who comes and appears to Abraham. Abraham gives uh, some of the spoils to Jesus in, in Melchizedek. His priesthood continues, which means it continues today, which goes to show that those of us who pay tithe, really we're in the same thing. We're doing the same thing. We're paying tithe to that Melchizedek, to our Lord, to Jesus today. But again, the message isn't about tithe. We're, we're dealing with priesthood, but it's just here. So let's go on. Now it says this, abideth a priest continually. Remember, if Paul is hammering away, trying to prove this point, hey, you're trying to go back to Judaism, but you're going back to a priest that dies. You're going back to a high priest that's going to have to be changed because he's going to get cancer or he's going to trip and fall or he's going to have an aneurysm. And then what are you going to do? But let me tell you, this, this priesthood, this priesthood of Melchizedek is better because he's not going to die. He's going to be there time after time and day after day, and he will abide a priest continually. He was, it was as if Paul was saying, hey, wake up. We've got something so much better than Jesus, who is a uh, priest after the order of Melchizedek, than we did in the Levitical priesthood. Now, verse 4, he goes. He says, now consider... How great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tent of the spoils. So Abraham, great leader. I mean, again, you have to understand, the Jews really looked up to Moses. They really looked up to Abraham. And that was, uh, uh, you even find them talking about that when they're talking to Jesus and how they they called him Father Abraham, uh, on and on and on. So Paul is taking this knowledge and said, listen, this guy that you look up to so much, Abraham, that you call father, he was actually paying tithes, giving some of the spoil to Melchizedek. Don't you see that he's greater than Levi? Going on. Consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily, verse 5, they that are the sons of Levi who received the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. So under the law, the Levites received tithes of the people. We see that. That is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he, Melchizedek, whose descent is not counted from them, received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. Now, Paul's saying, you got to understand, Abraham was the very one whom God had blessed and said, your seed is going to possess the gate of the enemies. Your seed is going to be like the stars of the sky in multitude. The sand which is by the seashore innumerable. You're going to be blessed. All the nations that are in you are going to be blessed. Uh, Abraham had the promises. 
And though Abraham had the promises of God and God had used him and he was a special tool in the hand of God and he was the father of the Hebrew people and the Jewish people, it said Melchizedek was greater than that. And so they were trying. He was, he was just hammering away at this, getting them to understand why would you go to something inferior? Why would you go to something temporary? Why would you turn back to something that's so less than what you have in Christianity and in Christ and in the priesthood of Melchizedek. He blessed him that had the promises, verse 6. Verse 7, and without all contradiction, here it is, the less Abraham with the promises, highly favored, highly looked upon by the Jews, is blessed of the better, Melchizedek, who you only read about a little bit in the Bible. And yet we understand is Jesus pre-appearing as this priest. And then he says in verse 8, And here men that die receive tithes. Under Paul's time, there was still Le- uh, Levitical law-keeping going on. Those people would, matter of fact, they paid uh, three tithes. They paid 20% on a regular basis, and then they paid a tithe every three years. So 23 and a third percent. One of those tithes was for them to actually buy food and enjoy at a big festival. But that was under the Levitical priesthood. They did that. He said, here men that die receive tithes, verse 8. But there, speaking of Abraham and Melchizedek, he receiveth them, present tense, of whom it is witness that he liveth. He continues to live today. So Melchizedek is greater because he didn't die. Jesus never, never died as far as high priest. He is alive still today. His priesthood remains today. Thou art a priest forever. You following me? Verse 9. And as I may so say, Levi also, who receiveth tithes under the law, he was commanded to receive them. But here we find he paid them. Because it wasn't, tithing wasn't just in the law. It was before the law and after the law. He paid them. He paid tithes in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. I've only got a few minutes. I'm going to get to the end where we're going to get tonight. If therefore perfection were by the Levitic priesthood. Here Paul's going to try to sum up his point. For under it the people received the law. What further need was there that there were another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Why would, if Levitical priesthood and the Levi, the tribe of Levi, was perfect and that was great and that was going to be done, then why would God have this another priesthood? Why would God have Melchizedek there? And Paul was going to tell them, he was there because it's showing you that this Levitical priesthood was inferior and temporary. And what we have in Christ is eternal and doesn't die. Now you say, uh, Pastor, what in the world does this have to do with me? It has a great deal to do with you because it shows us that we have an enduring high priest. We've got someone that's still there. He still, the Bible said, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. We've got Jesus uh, praying for us. Jesus who who made a way for us. Jesus uh, intervening for us. That means I don't have to walk around afraid. What happened? I don't have to walk around afraid. I don't have to walk around uh, fearful because I've got Jesus backing me up, promising to be with me, promising to never leave me nor forsake me. 
So much of what we go through in our life is because we're, we're looking for something. People get mixed up in adultery or fornication because they're looking for love. If you understand just how loved you are in Christ, you don't become a needy person looking for the uh, love in the arms of some man or some woman you're not married to. Amen? Amen. Technical difficulties. So if I understand just how blessed I am, if I understand just how fulfilled I am, if I understand just how provided for I am, I'm not looking for something else. Sin loses its luster when I realize I've got the riches of Christ. I've got the blood of Jesus to forgive me. I've got the Holy Spirit to be with me. I've got the power of God to go with me and go for me. I don't need what the world has to offer. Now, a lot of these things God gives on top of. He blesses us not only with salvation and uh, a relationship with him, but then he turns around and says, I'm also going to give you, I'm also going to give you um, the blessing on top of that. He blesses them with, the Bible said he would promise them long life, that he would give us health, that he would be with us, that we would have peace, that we would have healing. All of these things are their, their whipped cream on top, they're the cherry on top, they're the blessing on top of 